1: I jump out of bed because I love my life. Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive. Being myself, clarity will love thrive. So I'll stand down and be J-U-I-C-Y. Stand down and be J-U-I-C-Y.
0: Hello, hello. Welcome to the GFR show. I am so glad you are here. You are in for a treat. This episode is a bit of a reunion with for me with a former client who has just like taken the world by storm. I cannot wait for you to meet her. And I'm gonna kick off this episode with a question, which is the norm around here. Just kind of get your juices flowing in the area that we are gonna be exploring. So here is the question. Have you ever had a burn the ship kind of moment? Burn the ship kind of moment where you're just like, okay like i don't even care if i'm standing in the ship right now this thing is going down because i'm not going back well our guest today avis jones DeWeaver, has had many actually burn the ship moments but she's going to share with us one of the most profound moments that she had where she quit a job quit a marriage and her and her two boys took off on their own adventure and that led to the birth of her business, which is now a seven figure empire that helps normalize black abundance and creates millionaire coaches. And it's a media empire. And it's just an amazing, amazing uh, legacy that she has built that she's helping other women of color build. And I can't wait for you to hear there's something very unique. I mean, there's lots of unique things about Dr. Avis, but something very unique is that she had this combination of sort of this internal fortitude and clarity combined with this external drive to succeed and not let her boys down that created this winning combination that now she really is a stand for, for the community of people that she she shares her wisdom with. So a little bit about her credentials, because she's got a lot of them, is that she is an award-winning global speaker, media commentator. I was just diving into her blog and preparing for the show. She's written really provocative and spicy and fun articles on all different topics. She is a seven-figure CEO, and she has a company called Media to Millions. She grew her first business. So this is when I knew her back 10 or so years ago is when she grew her business to the first six figures in less than nine months. And then later scaled from a multi six figure business to her first seven figures in just eight months. And I mean, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> we could just drop the mic there. And that really, it just really starts there with Dr. Avis. She's a really cool background in that she started in the nonprofit world and the think tanks, you know, in Washington, DC. She had a, an NPR show before anybody even knew what NPR was, I think. And that really like helped to like set her up for this great combination that she represents you know, through awesome business entrepreneur coaching and the awareness around the power of media, which is so important now. And, and when she teaches that, it's not just about social media, it is really about mainstream media. Her distinct perspectives have been shared through a wide variety of media platforms from CNN to Fox News, PBS, C-SPAN, BET, BBC, NPR, Sirius XM, Radio, The Washington Post, U.S. I'm going to go on and on because I think it's freaking awesome. The Atlantic, The Huffington Post, Ensign's Magazine, just really amazing. And she's just a beautiful voice, both when she's highlighted on news shows, as well as her writing and things like that. She is even the editor-in-chief of the State of Black Women Report. And I think she said it's in its 10th anniversary. Wow. Just what an amazing fixture in the community that I know that she is. I cannot wait for you to hang out with her. We, We had a blast. We talk about lemons. We talk about lemonade. She shares about her son, Guy, her oldest son, who actually was in middle school when he was coming with her to the mastermind retreats that I was leading years ago. And she talks about what's come of him, who he is today. She talks about what he got in trouble in school for. So that's a fun story. And her, her father, who was the oldest of eight kids, and is was an entrepreneur in his own right in the south and Jim Co. era and just amazing what he accomplished and how that inspired her and really set her up for the community and the life and the the mission that she has today so i don't want to tell you all the things without further ado i cannot wait for you to meet dr avis jones de weaver dr avis is in the house i'm so excited welcome welcome Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited for this. I feel like one of my like stealth reasons for having the podcast is that I get to reach out to old friends, old <laughs> clients, people i like, I would love to chat with her and see how she's doing. <laughs> so it gave me a great, a great excuse to reach out to you and get to reconnect.
1: Absolutely. It is my pleasure. And I'm
0: excited to reconnect with you too. Absolutely. And we were like going back. We're like, huh? long because you were in a mastermind that i helped co-lead years mm-hmm. ago like 10 years ago i think we were thinking like it's been like 10 years it's crazy
1: it definitely been t- time flies i'm telling you but it's been a it, good time absolutely it really
0: freaking does it really freaking does and i i think if i didn't have a kid I would really lose track. I think I would like not really grok it. Like you know, Lisa Sasevich was the person that had the mastermind that you, that you were in. Then she and I were partnering at the time and she has two kids. And when we met her son was seven and her daughter was six or five. And now like and my daughter was right in the middle. So my daughter was seven. And so my daughter is a freshman in college. Her son is sophomore in college. Like her daughter's senior in high school. It's crazy. And so it must mean that you and I have known each other for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what that means. <laughs>
1: <Absolutely>. oh.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. So I'm excited to... Well, first, I'm excited just to get to know you and your story. And, you know, you know, this, as you know, the show is all about the journey that we took to get to the place where, you know, we pop out as ooh, successful entrepreneur, you know, and I find that people will create separation, you know, meaning like, oh, well, Lisa Cherney, you could accomplish that, or that's okay for you. Or I could see how that's for you, but not for me. And I, you know, I'll say like, I have. there like you know i've been doing this for 23 years wherever you are i have been there but people you know we do that i think that's our natural inclination to Mm -hmm. to sort of other ourselves you know like Mm -hmm. and so you know i know as well for you that you have been through it (laughs) to get to where you are and i would love you know everybody is supposed to hear your story to really understand that so they could see themselves and like really see that it's like in their reach. Would you agree? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It definitely is. The only uh, way to not get there is to give up in my opinion. So, just
0: it's gotta so keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. So a big part of your mission, and we will definitely get to, you know, what does your amazing business and empire look like right now? <laughs> and a big part of your mission is normalizing black abundance. Mm-hmm. Feel like that started for you in your life? Just like the, the, the beginning of that path? Where were the first steps?
1: You know, for me, I think the first steps was uh, growing up in a family that was very, very centered around really exploring possibility for me, allowing me to explore possibility. And also one that was anchored by a father who was a businessman. So, from a very young age, I could see the power of entrepreneurship by looking at my father's success in business and seeing how we fared as a family compared to many of my peers. But also knowing that, in terms of overcoming the fact that my father was able to build this successful business in spite of being born a sharecropper in a family of eight children during the Jim Crow South, I mean, he literally defied the odds to build this very successful business. So witnessing that as a child, helped me understand that it was possible. And then doing more work in the area on intersection of race, class, and gender, which is really what my PhD is around, just learning the data around it, understanding even more intricately how rare that is, but knowing that it does not have to be rare, it can be normalized. And so that's really why I do what I do.
0: Is that why you chose that PhD? Because you're just like, I want to have the perspective here. Like I want to, I don't know, what motivated you?
1: Yeah, I guess it's very interesting because given what the show is about, that that ended up, that was not the original plan. Okay. Honestly, the (laughs) plan was to go to law school. That was my original plan when I went to college and I majored in political science as an undergrad and I got into law school, but I got all I did not get any scholarship money for law school. So that would have been an easy six figure debt that would have had to occur to make that happen. But I had on a fluke also applied to graduate school at the same time that I was applying to law school and I got like full ride to graduate school. So it ended up being at that time the decision to do that. And I initially I was going to get a master's degree and then go to law school, but I enjoyed the process I enjoyed doing the research I enjoyed what I was doing so I just decided to continue and get the PhD so it's one of those things where life gives you lemons but you turn them into lemonade
0: yeah at the time I don't know if you even see it that way anymore like like because obviously it sets you on this path mm-hmm. and it's so interesting when we're in it you know I, I kind of like endeavor to try to get to lemonade as quickly as Possible, like in my being, you know, it's like this fucking sucks. Like, okay, what's the blessing here? What's the blessing? <laughs> exactly. Sometimes
1: it's hard to find the lemonade, but try it's really
0: hard. Sometimes
1: looking, you don't find it. Okay,
0: <laughs> that's why we need coaches. They help us find the lemonade. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> oh Lord, yes. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love that, that, you know, the universe gave you those, you know, bumpers that kind of boinged you in a different direction. Oh, no money for law school. Don't want a six figure debt. Okay. Got money for grad school. I guess I'm going there. Right. Like the river, you know, flowed there. Yeah, And yeah, it's beautiful. And, and still, you know, you wound up in a very politically oriented career in the early days and Mm -hmm. you did it. Do you feel like at one point you felt like you needed a law degree in order to go that direction or you didn't even know that direction was there?
1: No, I mean, that's very interesting. Yeah, I I still have a love for politics. I still have a passion for politics. I still have a toe in that world as we speak still. I'm the state. I'm the uh, editor and chief of the State of Black Women in America reports. That really was my first client, that organization that I got when I first started my business many years ago. And because that work means so much to me, I continue to do that. But you're right. Along the journey, I you know, still had a desire to go to law school. It's very interesting. And so much later on, after I was married, I had, gee, that my son that you know, when he was much smaller, I decided, OK, I had built a career in the think tank space in Washington, D.C. And I'm thinking I still have this desire to go to law school. So I did apply that time. I did get a full ride to go to law school, but my husband at the time did not want me to go because they would have required me to go to New York and we lived in DC and he wasn't down with that. So I ended up turning down that, that award. But, you know, I think life still takes you in places that, you know, you, you need to be. Ultimately that marriage ended. But I will say that it, that was a, a learning experience to me. And it was, you know, we're still on, on good terms. We co-parent well together, even though our boys are now essentially grown. I have found through that experience where I am now, I, I don't believe I would be there if I was still in that marriage because there is something about you need to have a partner who sees your vision, who sees the vision. And that was just one vision of mine that he couldn't see. And I know he would not have been able to see the vision and see the possibility of my business. And so I will say that to me, the most consequential decision that you will make probably ever is who you choose to share your life with. And you have to make sure that you are choosing to share your life with people that are willing to allow you to be the biggest, boldest, most audacious version of you rather than someone who only feels comfortable when you are kept in a little box that they are comfortable with you being in. So that is a crucial, crucial uh,
0: amen. part Yes.
1: On mm-hmm.
0: Oh my gosh, amen, amen. So I imagine your mom was a very supportive partner.
1: Yes, my mom and my dad were just, they're amazing. My mom is still with us. She's She is literally, she had me when she was 40. So I can easily calculate she her. Uh, yes, wow, this was rare back then. I mean, now yeah. almost, many women are doing that, but back then it was very rare. So it's but the good thing for me it makes it very easy for me to always calculate her age you know so she is literally 95 years old and she is still doing very well yes. my yes and my father we lost him about 5 years ago but i tell you those two were just such an amazing impact on my life along with my grandmother who i love and miss dearly because from a child they always i don't know i've always had a big math lisa i don't
0: Girl, I'm right this is there. Something with you. I was born with. <laughs> me too. I've gotten a little more panache as I have, you know, aged, but yes.
1: Yeah. I've it. always had a big mouth. I've always had a pinch for like speaking my mind, maybe perhaps a bit controversial. And one would think, like, now as an adult looking back on it, I can see how other parents might have wanted to squash me might've mm-hmm. wanted me to be quiet, maybe not be as controversial. Like I can give you a specific example. I would love to I remember when I was a small child and I was with my father at his church that he was a deacon of. So, you know, he had some yeah. position there, right? And I was looking around the church and I'm seeing all these people that look like me. And then I see the, you know, obviously a picture of Jesus in this church. And I'm thinking, why is Jesus white with blue eyes? Given yeah. the geographical area where this all happened, given the description in the Bible about bronze, feet of bronze, hair like lamb's wolf, why is that here? And why are all these Black people worshiping this image that does not look like us? Who else on earth does that? And I was small when I, I don't even understand how I thought that deeply at that time, but I was small when I saw it and I saw that as problematic. And I expressed it to my father, who, as I mentioned, had status in the church. And interestingly to me, instead of chastising me for it, instead of making me feel like I was being doing something wrong by pointing that out, he apparently expressed this to other people in the congregation. And ultimately they decided that space that had the picture of Jesus, they put up instead a space of, ironically, the Ten Commandments. And to this <laughs> day. Day when I go back home to my home church, there's still this big placard there of the Ten Commandments. Like they wouldn't put up a black Jesus, but they just- I was going to say,
0: where's the black Jesus? They didn't go that far. Okay. I couldn't (laughs) get them to go that
1: far. But at least they put up that they did not have that reflection because I just saw it as potentially, especially, you know, potentially damaging to our psyche as people. And so it, it was just very interesting to me that I think most parents probably would have punished me, chastised me. Called me blasphemous, you know, because obviously that's very controversial. Or but at least
0: not like went and talked to other people. Definitely would
1: not have talked to anybody else about it. Absolutely <laughs> not. But the fact that he respected my opinion enough and I was that's just amazing. the child to act on that. It just really, I think from a young age, that's just one example of how they valued my thoughts. And when I saw that my thoughts had value to them, that it wasn't diminished, that it wasn't minimized, that it wasn't punished, that made me a much more confident person such that as I grew, I now naturally have confidence that I find when I work with a lot of my clients, they are still struggling to get even in their, you know, 40s and 50s and, and older. And and I think that that was one of the biggest blessings that I've ever experienced in my life is to have parents that did not diminish my sense of the value of my opinion and my thoughts around different things that other people might disagree with that was a very
0: huge like Mm -hmm. right you think okay they clothe us they feed us you know safety and showing us that what we think and what we say has value to me i mean irreplaceable, irreplaceable. Amazing.
1: Absolutely. I think that's one of the best gifts you can give your children.
0: I I do too. I do too. And you know, my my daughter, I think I mentioned, you know, is a freshman now in college, we're going to visit her. I haven't seen her in six weeks. It's the longest ever. (laughs) (laughs) I've not seen my kid. And I'll tell you, I of course, I miss her, but I feel really like she's equipped. And one of the main reasons is because I know that she will Speak her truth. She will ask for what she needs. She will she will talk to authority and say, you know, if something doesn't feel right to her, she will Mm -hmm. follow her intuition. Like all of that, I feel like that makes me feel like she can do. She can do the life thing, the adulting thing. So yes, I agree. What what an amazing gift that he gave you.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: What do you think inspired that? affinity or that like loyalty to you versus what other people think what their peers thought
1: that's a great question my father was a leader he was a leader and as i lightly mentioned his family were they were sharecroppers his father passed when my dad was 14 and he was the oldest son out of eight children and so Mm -hmm it became his responsibility then to take care of his the rest of his family, including his mother. So he became a man at 14, in essence. And he understood at that age how exploitative the sharecropping system was. And so he made a decision that he would never work for anyone else again. He ultimately became an entrepreneur. And when he Did a couple of things, but ultimately the most successful business was the lumber company, which is what he had by the time I was born. And he had already had it and was well established by the time my parents even met. But through that business, he was able to employ all of his brothers, a couple of other dozen individuals in the community, and was able to literally take care of his mother by uh, writing her a check every week when he paid the rest of his employees. He paid his mother every week for the rest of her life. Wow. And so he was a leader. And so that level of leadership, I think, showed him through life experience that he can't be looking to the side to see what other people are thinking and doing. He had to have, I still, to this day, I really can't understand how he did it. I mean, this was Jim Crow South. He had a second grade education, but he was able to do this. And so that type of just born leadership and compassion, it was just in him. It was just in him. It was just who he was. And so-
0: so because brave like that. that's what i i think about the context that yeah, he yeah. was in and how fucking brave he needed to be to stand out exactly
1: because let me just tell you that's this time in my history where it was dangerous for black people to be making money let's just be real okay yes what so he weird. did was life-threatening but he was able to do it and he was able to do it successfully and ultimately what it took for him to meet that success required confidence in himself. And I think that his sense of confidence probably created the environment where, you know, he understood that for his children to succeed, they needed to have
0: that too. It's so beautiful. And it really makes me feel emotional thinking mm-hmm. about it, yeah. right? Loses his dad when he's 14, becomes, he's the oldest child,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: becomes the dad And then ultimately creates a company where he's able to give all of his his siblings jobs and pay his mother.
1: Mm -hmm. It's incredible.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And so you had this entrepreneur thing planted, like there was a seed planted around entrepreneurship. I didn't have that at all. Like, no, it was nowhere anywhere you know my my dad worked for at&t you know big corporate at&t as many times Mm -hmm. as they tried to lay him off he stuck around you know for 30 years wow um his dad actually his dad owned a what they call the delicatessen in brooklyn in brooklyn so i would say yeah i guess he was an entrepreneur but definitely it wasn't in my sphere Mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur so when i did decide to not get another job when i was 28 It was pretty shocking to my whole family. It's like, what? You're going to, what? (laughs) (laughs) So you, one of your big, you know, like you said, what did you call it? Burn the boat? Burn the the ship. Burn the ship. Burn the ships. Burn the ship Um, moment. Tell us about your burn the ship moment that had to do with entrepreneurship because yeah. you know up to that point you had a job you had jobs yeah. and you had you were a leader at nonprofits like there's a yeah. lot of not entrepreneurship happening absolutely
1: i did the traditional thing and i think for a long time because even though my father was a huge inspiration for me because he only had a secondary education it was very important to him that his children had education and so thanks to his business, I was able to go to college debt free. And I ultimately went on to uh, get a PhD and started my career in, first of all, in academia as a, as a professor, but ultimately came back to the Washington DC space and, and, um, became a, a researcher in the think tank industry in Washington DC. And I stayed in that realm for a while until I, I got what I thought was my, Ultimate job. You know how you like trying to get that promotion. Yes. And like, this is the one. This is what I really want. Yeah. I've been all my career right. for this promotion. And
0: it's gonna be the one that's gonna make me happy yeah. and everything's yeah. gonna be great. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. So we 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 tell ourselves these things. Yes. And then did. ta-da. Not so much. Okay. Not so, <laughs> so much.
0: I remember interviewing for my uh job. I interviewed, I'm a great interview. They offered me the job, I was like VP of marketing. I was like in my twenties, and I I remember literally getting in my car, sitting there going, I do not I don't want to do that work like I could get the job that's fun but I don't want to do the job <laughs> that's
1: funny. well you know I, I got the job I did the job but it was one of those situations where the job title does not match the job power mm which is a very precarious position to be in because then decisions are being made that you have nothing to do with, that from the public view, it appears as if they're your decisions. And these were not good decisions, (laughs) okay? I'll just say it like that, they were not good decisions. And so they were so cataclysmically bad that I was concerned that it could have a huge negative effects on my professional reputation and my career moving forward. And so I found myself in a position where I felt like the only thing that I could do was to leave a job before I had the next job set up, which I had never done that before. I had done everything the way we're supposed to do it. Right, you know? Right. So part of the burn the ship moment was the burn the ship moment right there. But to make it even more burn the ship, all of that kind of came to a climax. Only about a couple of months since I had just left the husband with just my two boys and everything I could fit in the back of my SUV in tow. So it was literally a moment where... I started over from scratch with me and the boys, no job. And now I have to figure out what do I do now?
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you, just a few months after leaving your husband, Mm -hmm. that is when you then quit your job.
1: Yes, absolutely. Wow. Yep. Wow.
0: That would have been a really good reason to not.
1: (laughs) It (laughs) would have been a reason not to. Here is one of the reasons why I decided to do it. No, number one, as I said, I felt like what was going on was at minimal unethical, right? And it, it, so the type of shenanigans that was happening were, were things that I did not want to be pinned on me. I, consumed, I was assuming it was almost as if I was being set up and I just, homie, don't play that. I don't want to try to go out like that. And so I felt like I had to leave, but I always also had confidence. I was like, at first I told myself, hey, this is the spring you know, I'll take some time this summer. I had a little bit of savings. I was like, I'll take some time this summer, see what else is out there and look to have another job by the fall. Like that was the original plan. And I have been fortunate enough that I've never done work that I didn't care about, like just to pay the bills. So I, you know, was looking to see what was available that summer. And I had a couple of opportunities that came my way, but nothing that was really the fit that I wanted. And so it happened that, while i was working though i had a small little short form radio show for npr that i used to do on the side and so mm. i had that little npr check coming in and then i thought about huh
0: and you also had of... your own voice
1: <laughs> <laughs> right exactly exactly i had my own voice in that through that work that i had been doing i had already been you know writing and publishing and appearing on television and doing doing work Around that field, obviously, in that capacity in representing the ideals for the most part of the organization, but they were, they were ideals that aligned with my personal ideals so I could be authentic to my beliefs. So I had was beginning, I already had like somewhat of a personal brand that, that was pre existing. I had that radio show that had that check coming in. And one day it just hit me like a ton of bricks. If I can have this one check coming in, what if I can get two checks coming in? What if I can get three checks coming in? Just kind of like, I don't have to work for anybody else. I can just see if I can get clients so that I can nice. have more checks coming in. And that was the birth of my very first business, which was a consulting firm.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. It's funny. You, you almost said the same words that I said. I got laid off for the third time in two years and i remember like driving home california like traffic freeway with my like banker box with my like desk contents in it
1: mm-hmm. and
0: i like literally this is what i remember a thought that felt like it came outside of me that said why go to work for somebody else when you could work for yourself and i was mm-hmm. like looking around i was like who said that <laughs> again like I didn't like I, and I came home and I told my husband I'm gonna follow my dream and he's like uh oh, what dream what dream what dream got birth between like this morning and now <laughs> um so I, I didn't have any you know I have no context like for going out on my own but there was mm-hmm. some you know that there's that thought that moment like it sounds similar to yours where you are like yeah. hey what if I can get another check and what if I can get another check and so, wow there's a different option <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, when you know that you are good at what you do, when you know that you have monetizable skill sets, then you understand, and, and everybody, honestly, everybody has a job has a monetizable skill set because nobody would, would be paying you if you didn't, okay? Hmm. Okay, good point. so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't getting paid for nothing. I can say that much, okay? Yes. When I mean, You have these moments in your life. You can say, hey, if I can make money for somebody else, I for damn sure can make money for myself. And so that's really where that came from
0: yes and what I'm so aware of is that you you had the NPR show and you had some other things going on where even though you were maybe in some cases representing that organization you mm-hmm. you know you said they were also your views and so you felt authentic like it feels like it's really a, a key part of your story that you you know and I I relate to this is why because I that's why I feel like I see it, is that you had your own voice. Cause I remember when I was in corporate, like I'd go to these networking things and, I, and I'd be like, I'm here for this, like I'm here for them, like, can I be here for me? Like I'm here by myself, can I be here for me? Yeah. And like, I didn't even know like what that even looked like. And it feels like it was so important for your sort of the, the opening, the crack in the possibility of just doing your thing that you were being paid for your voice your opinions you know you're representing yeah. your views and your intelligence on the topics
1: that is true but you know it is true though also that when you are working for a company there are limits like there are limits so, particularly, this was a right. nonprofit, and there are restrictions with regards to what you can and can't do when you're representing a nonprofit for them to maintain a nonprofit status in terms of your opinion. So, your opinions are a little bit inhibited in that right. context. Fair. So, the beautiful thing was, though I could share part of my beliefs that aligned and that did not put the organization at risk, once I was freed to have my own organization, I could be that much more bold with my thoughts. I could be that much more. Verbose with my thoughts. Did it feel like and, you were like let
0: out of a cage or something? It was. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> I had this like, running joke. Oh it was unleashed. <laughs> it was. It was really like that. So I really had people. I had people who kept asking me, like, soon after, like, "Was it feel like?" Was I was like, "I feel like Kizzy escaped from the plantation." <laughs> 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 it was like, whoop I'm free!" Yes, so I do that. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what that felt like. Absolutely.
0: Whew, I love that. I love that. I love that. And so you started a consulting organization that mm-hmm. had to do with media and politics, and and you were doing radio yeah, shows. Yeah. And and is that when you? Because you said you you were writing the State of Black Women report for a really long time. Is that yeah, when you entered in that as well?
1: was literally my first contract. The way that I got started was I really just and this is how I teach my clients to do to this day. I mean, you have to think about what your assets are, right? Think about. Your assets are your skill sets, which I mentioned you have a monetizable skill set or people would not be paying you right now. Secondly, think about your network. That is an asset. Like who do you know? And who do you know specifically that has decision making power over budgets? So when I really started to think about that, I guess the third layer of that is of the people that you know that have decision making power over budgets. How many of them know you? How many of them respect you? How many of them understand that you would be of value to them? Right. So that. When I started to think about that and I started to think about those intersections, I came up with a list of people that I literally pitched things to that I would like to do for them. And that was one of my initial clients. I pitched this idea of putting together a state of black women in America reports. And they said, yes. And here we are. I believe we are. I think we are at the 10th, maybe 11th, 10th or 11th version. it will be coming out in 2024. So it was one of the very first things that I did when I started my when I started my consulting firm.
0: And what a brilliant strategy. And, you know, now I feel like people are co-opting things like that with creating bullshit awards and stuff like that yeah. to like create, you know, credibility. And what you created is a like statement piece for a community, but it's now a leg- like a legitimate a like something that people look for i imagine yeah, it's an annual every publication year.
1: It comes out yeah. every year yeah and it is you know i feel like a proud mama
0: <laughs> yes
1: it is really Absolutely. like something that, you know what i mean it's just beautiful to see that it continues to be published yeah every
0: so speaking of being a proud mama Mm-hmm. So when we met 10 years ago and you were in that mastermind, you were, I'm going to, I don't think you were dragging him along, but you were dragging, <laughs> you were dragging. He son, willingly. <laughs> and he was very tall, but he yeah, was yeah. like, he looked older than he, you said he was in middle school. He's in middle when school he,
1: then. Yeah. All right. So
0: tell, tell everybody, talk about bringing him there and like, what was it like? The decision to do that, I imagine he had to miss school and things like that. So I'd love to hear more about that brilliant move.
1: Absolutely. So this is my oldest son, Guy, who has always had a penchant for entrepreneurship. In fact, when he was in primary school, he used to get in trouble for selling paper airplanes on the playground because (laughs)
0: they would
1: spend all their lunch money with him. So he would get in trouble. Absolutely. So we're like, oh man. What a great thing
0: to get in trouble for.
1: Exactly. So that's one of those things of- where
0: the teacher goes to you and says, You're kidding. And you're kind of like, isn't that awesome? Exactly. I'm like he got <laughs> shut down by the man.
1: But I like what you were doing. Okay. I, I like, like what you it. were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so he's always had an interest in business. And I believe that our responsibility as parents is to be able to pinpoint where our children's natural talents, abilities, and interests are, and then put them in the situations that will allow them to develop those talents and interests. And so since he's always had an interest in business, when I was learning about how to grow my business, I wanted to make sure that he was there too, so he could learn more of those skill sets. And I will say it has done him well. He, that is just something that's been consistent with me. I've always, whenever I've invested in my own education, I've tried to be able to expand those investments to include him so he can also learn because my goal ever since, you know, he met you guys was my whole goal at that point was I wanted him to know more by the time he hit 20 than I knew that when I was 40 around these issues. And what was beautiful about that is I look back now and I think it's been successful because here he is now. He's not, he's 27 now. Uh, has an oh MBA and, a, and yes, an MBA from Johns Hopkins um, and also a master wow. in design thinking. But now that he's actually launched his career, which I do think he will ultimately be an entrepreneur one day, but his career is in sales. He's at a major tech company. He is the youngest person in this division and he just recently closed his first million dollar sale. So I'm super <laughs> excited.
0: Oh, you're yes. a high ticket selling proud mama. Yes, I am. I was
1: like, yes. <laughs> Come on now, a million. What's your that's excuse for not million. wanting to open your mouth for ten thousand? That's what I've been You know, I'm. Mean, that's what I'll be telling my clients. Like, listen, you can't let my son outshine you. Okay?
0: Yeah. So- yeah. Oh my God. I love that. Please send him <laughs> my regards. I don't know if he remembers me or not, but I, I oh, just- Oh yeah. Always, he remembers He remembers the whole group. I still have pictures. <laughs> it was just always delightful to have, like, it just creates such perspective to have a young person in the room when you're speaking all you're speaking about, you know, around business and, you know, entrepreneurship and all that. So well, it was that's so awesome. Beautiful. And then I also read he won Forbes 30 Under 30 Scholar in 2022. Yes. Is yes.
1: that right? he has. He did that. He's won several uh, pitch competitions. He's won a national um, speaking competition. So he's like a, a double or triple threat. Okay. I just, you know, that's, that's my boy, but I just want to mm-hmm. say, I think having him be in rooms like yours when, you know, I was going through the mastermind and everything. What I love about that is it created in him. First of all, he got a sense to be around literally millionaires and very, very highly successful entrepreneurs from a very early age. And so it allowed him to navigate spaces as he got older without feeling intimidated because it felt normal to him later on. In fact, one of his internships that he had with a major company, he hadn't been there that long. And I got a call from his boss. He's like, can you mind coming in and having lunch? I'm like, damn, what do you do already? He ain't been there that long. What do you do? You in trouble? I feel like, you trouble? trouble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and as soon as I sat down for the lunch, the very first thing out of his mouth was, what did you do to make him so fearless? Oh, no, or you just like, <laughs> oh, I have done my job as a mama. Yes. So, oh that's my
0: god, right? best compliment. Yeah, oh my gosh, <laughs> that, re- that reminds me of an experience my daughter had in middle school, this is eighth grade. She, for one year, she went to this small private school because she was beginning to really hate school, and we we're like, we needed to do something. So, mm-hmm. so in eighth grade, she went to the small private school where they sat around a conference table, that was their classroom. And the teacher was going around the room imparting his wisdom about what he thinks these kids, like, you know, where they're going wrong or like what Mm -hmm. they need to be cautious about. And Mm -hmm. he got to Bella and he said, you are too confident. What? Right? I mean, I just wanted to like, I can't even tell you how how crazy mad it made me. And when Bella came home to tell us that he had said this, and once we, quieted down to hear what happened next she said to him you don't know me at all mm. <laughs> i was like okay yeah well, okay. all right and so th- we never even went to even like we never even dealt with it cuz i just felt like there's lemonade right like mm-hmm. to have a person of authority tell my kid that you are too self-confident mm-hmm. and to have mm-hmm. her say to him you don't really know me at all like she knew she's like he doesn't know me like i'm yeah. not listening yeah. to him he doesn't know me Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those. I still makes me mad talking about it.
1: I but <laughs> it would maybe mad too. I was.
0: <laughs> I yeah, we were pretty furious. furious. But we still talk about it, right? Talk about like those pivotal moments. You know, yeah. those things that you know, those people of authority. So I'm glad though that this person of authority. The first thing they said is, "How did you make him so fear fearless?" What amazing. That's that was- so. So, so he does he work in your business now or did he? Not then- now,
1: but he did. like Towards the beginning of the pandemic, in the couple of years that he had between finishing his undergrad and going to grad school, he did work in my company. He was my number one salesperson, obviously. i are missing him.
0: <laughs> I missed him when he left, you
1: know, but uh, hey, he had to grow up. He had to get his own life. So now he's in sales. And when his former boss said that to me for that company, he ended up ranking regionally in terms of his sales production as an intern. So, yeah that's what he's a closer i'll say that yeah
0: that's the entrepreneur mom like beaming proudly he's a closer
1: (laughs) absolutely (laughs) oh yeah
0: okay so just touching back base to the burn your ship moment so you resign from your job because Mm -hmm. homie don't play that and then just a few months after leaving your husband with your two Mm -hmm. boys and everything that would just fit in the back of your suv and you give yourself this summer and you sounds like pretty quickly you realize, hey, I could have multiple paychecks and doing multiple things. I'm going to start this consulting business. Yes. So did it go that smoothly as it's as I'm making that sound? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wish that'd be nice. Okay. <laughs> I mean, here's the reality. I think people need to understand that I don't believe unless you you get have a nice little dad that can drop loads of cash on your head, you cannot skip past the sacrifice time in starting your mm. business. You have to be willing to sacrifice. Okay, so when I made the decision to you know start this business, I immediately what I the, one of the first things I did was like, okay, so what expenses can I cut? What do I no longer need to do? Like, how can I adjust, recalibrate my expenses? Because I don't know how long it's going to take for me to be able to get to a level of revenue that will allow me to experience a similar lifestyle that I had before I quit my job. Like, I, you know, so I cut back things and live more frugally. Also, not every, you know, client that I thought I would be great said yes you know i knew that i was the bomb but for some reason they didn't see it okay so which is 90%
0: know. of the battle right to know <laughs> exactly. that you're the bomb that's that's it sounds like so you had that going for you <laughs> going for me but for some reason not everybody's thought so apparently crazy that's, they're crazy <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly so i think that's the next thing i think when we start our businesses oftentimes nose can crush us and what i want mm. it's important for us to understand is that a no in regards to a potential client is not tantamount to a judgment on your value. Like I understood that it did not make me any less badass at what I do. It's just at this moment, it wasn't a good fit or whatever the reason was. That just wasn't it. So I pretty quickly got to the point where I just believed that I couldn't, I didn't have time to sit there and cry over the no's. I had to get to the yes, get to the yes. Right. And that's why I had, I. I consider this to be a burn the ship moment because I had at that point left my husband and the job was now kaput. I did not have any other revenue coming into the household. I either needed to make this work or the whole household would go klui. So failure wasn't an option. So I think because the, the stakes were so high, I didn't have time to lick my wounds over nose. I was instead more focused on finding the next yes. And so it was that sort of drive that helped that to get off the ground. Does that mean that it was, you know, everything was easy and simple? No, but it meant that those things that did not go in the way that I had originally intended them to go, I didn't get stuck there because I couldn't. I didn't have the luxury, you know, of mourning those no's. I had to be focused on getting to the yeses so that I could make sure that me and the boys were okay.
0: One of the things that it says on your website is ensuring that black abundance is the new norm for every brave soul willing to obliterate the box society has tried to relegate you to and instead create a future with no limits mm-hmm. it feels like you were never in that box mm. or at least not fully well yeah i think well here's the thing i'm in reverence of your self-confidence is, mm-hmm. is really what i'm saying mm-hmm. and not that you can't relate to People that feel like they're in a box, I, I'm so aware of. It's like you refused. Like you might have seen the box. You're like, I'm not going there. That's kind of what I'm. Saying. For real. <laughs> and how did you not go there? Really? How, like, do you see yourself as special in that way? Because I sure do.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. I think I have probably an un, unreal, and maybe it's too verbose belief in me. Like I will believe in me if nobody else does, and. It, you're
0: like that. You're then. It's like that. Teacher said to Bella, "You're too self confident," and you just said, "You just called yourself too confident," is what I heard you say. Absolutely, I am.
1: I am unreasonably confident. confident in myself, and that has worked out well. And I'm really, unwavering,
0: unwavering. Yes, I'm unwavering, co- and it's perfectly it's, reasonable and unwavering.
1: <laughs> I will, for real. I will bet on myself every damn day of the week. I don't care what the odds are. I don't care. If, you know, I'm looking at my bank account and it looks like crumbs, I believe that I have it in me to go out and do what I need to do to make it happen. And I've always oh. had that sort of drive. Oh, like, I, yes. it's like that never give up sort of.
0: Oh. I just like I'm like taking a deep breath on that. Oh, how nice that must be. <laughs> I, I know I, I that's not me. Not as large a percent of the time as is is it, it appears to be for you. So mm. like. Girl, you're in the right business. <laughs> I, I got to be. But but
1: here's the thing. I feel like we are situations require that we grow. Like when I left my husband, left the job. Now I have these two boys. Like if it was just me, I probably would have would not have been as gangbusters as I was and as aggressive. But because, you know, because I'm really, believe it or not, I'm really not maybe not. I'm maybe a little bougie, but I'm not like all that bougie. Like I could have gone like sleeping on somebody's couch and like, rice and beans for a couple of months. Like it was just me, but I had the bougie. I'm going to come
0: back to the, you're not bougie thing, but you keep going.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I am a little bougie, but I'm just saying, okay, I'm, I'm more bougie now. I, I, was, I, will, I will admit that. You've um, owned your bougie <laughs> in your old
0: age. <laughs>
1: for real, for real. I am definitely owning my bougie at this moment in life. But, you know, if I didn't have the boys I would have been willing to subsist at a mm. at an even more dire level. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yes. But because I had them and they were leaving this nice, you know, suburban brick house to come with me in this little townhouse that I had, you know, found on Craigslist. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like since they had done that and they hadn't made any decisions that had gotten us in that situation. Those were all things that happened as results of decisions that I made, every last one. And I did not want them to suffer because of my position, my decisions. So because of that, literally failure was not an option. And I was willing to do whatever I had to do to make sure that those boys were able to experience a lifestyle as close to what they had when we had two incomes coming into the house. Yes.
0: And what I what I'm hearing is yeah. it it it's not just external things that you're mm-hmm. willing to do. It's not right. just hard work. It wasn't just taking action. It was there was an internal commitment to recognize the truth of who you were and to not mm-hmm. settle for anything less. Yeah. You had both of those things going before you, which is a beautiful winning combination.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so, bravo. Bravo. And another one of those bumpers that, you know, God sort of put there, it's like, OK, yeah, you quit the job, leave the marriage, but you're not going to go downhill because we're putting those boys there right there as that reason why your trajectory is going to be a steep upward climb.
1: They were my reason, too. Yeah. I, I heard a, a very wise woman once say, sometimes your reason not to is the reason to. And they were my reason, too. And they remain that to this day. Absolutely,
0: I love it. So, okay, so we you start the company, and we're recognizing why you were anointed and born to do the work that you are doing. So let's get to the bougie part, <laughs> y'all. When you go to Dr. Avis's whatever URL we're putting with this, where she's going to take you to a free gift the thing that i you know i have been stalking you for 10 years since we have parted ways
1: <laughs> and, and you, you see the like,
0: inc- the ever increasing bouginess you are like you're like a supermodel oh my gosh and i just did a, like a total deep dive into your website and everything in pre- preparation for this interview and i just love everything is shiny and gold and silver and sparkly and just gorgeous just gorgeous so i just it, i just get so much joy just like seeing you embody you embody like on the outside what is the bougie-ness is on the inside which is <laughs> which is the stand that you're taking right yes. around abundance and Absolutely. what's possible and 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 just representing that so beautifully so i just wanted Thank to acknowledge you. your cover modelness <laughs> <laughs> thank you well i just believe
1: that we deserve nice things
0: and you have fun i'm imagining you have fun in photo shoots because it seems like you do a lot of that i, do.
1: I <laughs> do and i have a bomb.com stylist, stylist. and designer. Uh, we're working with the same people for years and it's been beautiful also to see the evolution of all of our businesses because yeah. when i first started working with my stylist she was my stylist now she is actually a designer as well as a stylist. So 90% of the clothes that you see me in in photo shoots are her designs. Wow. Yeah.
0: Beautiful thing. There's a gold dress.
1: Yeah, that's a gold dress.
0: dress. <laughs> I want the gold dress. I just, I have to have the gold dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love it. I love it. I just think how important it is for women, black women, all women of color, white, white chicks too, like just to like, fucking love ourselves enough to Mm -hmm. to own and to own the opportunity to have an image like created or like captured that Mm -hmm. then we can externally project so that we can attract the people so we can right like you it's a it's your being of service because you're you're really allowing your insides out to inspire and in like, uh, bring those people to you that you're you're supposed to be helping.
1: I so. completely agree with that. You have to be that beacon that attracts. I think that just with sales period, you have to lean into attraction energy versus chase energy. And all of those things matter. All of those things matter when it comes to attracting the right person your way, That are that's your person that you're supposed to work with. Yeah, Energetically you have to attract.
0: So for this last segment, tell me what's what's next for Dr. Avis Jones Deweaver? What's next? I feel my intuition is to ask you that, that there's something on the horizon that um, you want to talk about.
1: <laughs> absolutely. So you've talked a lot about how I focused and it is. It's been my North Star for a couple of years now, several years now, this idea of normalizing black abundance. But I'm in a phase right now where I want to redefine abundance. Yes, like, to me abundance, yes, it is about the money and the things that money can provide you, the security, the the trinkets and all of that. But really, we're here to live a life that is full, full with various different aspects that go beyond the financial component. So really it's about how do we redefine abundance such that we are living abundantly in every aspect of our lives. And so that's kind of the next chapter. That's the next focus is to make sure that we are making sure that as we are building successful businesses, we don't let our health suffer. We don't let our you know stress levels suffer. We don't let our relationships suffer, like all of these other aspects of our lives that deserves to be abundant as well. And so that's kind of like the next stage that I really want to focus on, making sure that we live abundantly in various different areas of our lives.
0: Beautiful. I love that It did, You know, and it does feel like it's your personal next area of evolution as Absolutely. well as right. And I'm probably you know as these things go with us heart-centered mission-driven people we got to deal with it <laughs> and get yeah. real with it right and then yeah. and 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 then we get to which is what our purpose is most of the guests here on this gfr show to yeah. then then support others with that because we Absolutely. have walked through it so bravo for whatever you've walked through yeah. and come out the other side and probably still walking through it yeah. but yeah. you know we, we we walk through it enough till we know that we have something to you know, significant to contribute, we don't have to be perfect at it, Mm -hmm. you know, to then contribute that. So I know that your contribution to, you know, the black community and every other soul that is attracted to your orbit is going to be served by, you know, your journey to redefine abundance.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I'm excited about that.
0: This was so fun. Me too. I know it has been. It's been great catching up. <laughs> yes, it has been great catching up. You know, it's this it shows all for my own personal, <laughs> my own <laughs> personal <laughs> <position. Just laughs> And I just love, I just love getting to really connect with your evolution and where you are now, and to recognize all of the the ins and outs and the ups and downs of our journey and the early parts that you know and first and put us on the path. I feel like the iterations come shorter <laughs> as we yes. like we're, you know because like we're willing, we're like there, like all right, bring it on. Where's yep. that lemonade? <laughs> you know, <And laughs> looking Absolutely. So I love everything you're about. I'm so glad to have this time with you. And uh, I can't wait to share your story with our listeners. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This has been a ball. You're very welcome. Oh, my gosh. Wasn't that so fun and motivating? Oh, my gosh. I'm so inspired by her. Honestly, y'all, I am super inspired. If you would like to connect more deeply with Dr. Avis, you can go to her website, avisjonesdeweaver.com. She has an amazing blog with just phenomenal articles that she's written, political articles, entrepreneur articles, just beautiful. She's a beautiful, very powerful voice and opinion. And I really enjoyed diving deep into what was on her website in preparation for my interview today. She also has this cool project going on where she is helping Black businesswomen with their wellness and to evaluate their wellness and all of the factors that impact their wellness. So if you would like to participate in that research, we have a link in the show notes to a survey that she is doing called the Well Black Woman Survey. And if you loved um, what she was sharing and her her just like cut through the bullshit sort of um, self-awareness, you'll know that her favorite GFR commandment is don't compromise. (laughs) Probably if you're familiar with them and you you would try to guess which one, it would be that one, don't compromise. And the confession question that goes with that commandment that help you kind of explore if you relate to this one as well, which is what am I tolerating? What am I tolerating? That is one of my most favorite most revealing questions that I ever ask myself or my clients. If you do not have your 12 GFR commandments, your roadmap for getting real, you want to go to gfr.life forward slash 12c. We have a link Uh, below as well to grab your 12 GFR commandments. And please subscribe and follow the show wherever you are listening or watching the show so that you don't miss any more of these inspiring stories that remind you that whatever bullshit's going on around you, it has a purpose and you are on your mission and there are people who need you. Bye-bye for now.